This podcast is for your entertainment only and is not the place to find professional medical advice. Hey guys, I'm here with McKay. So excited about this podcast, fellow American. We were we've just been talking about the election. She has POTS, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, and we're just going to kind of talk all about all things like POTS and EDS, advocating for yourself with doctors, and then kind of dealing with that phase that's undiagnosed. Hi, McKay. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Hi. Thank you. How are you going? Good. Just stressed. Yeah. My favorite <laughs> year. It's one of those years, hey? No. Um, yeah. So at the time of this recording, last night, yesterday is elect was election day in America, and... We still don't have the results. What's the what's that? <laughs> what's the atmosphere like there? I feel like in my city it's fine because I'm in a very small city. But I've seen like a bunch of videos like on TikTok of like New York City has boarded up like every store and like movie theater and stuff so that if there's rioting, there like nothing will be broken into. Like I've seen tons of that stuff. So. I think <laughs> everything is just kind of chaotic here at the moment. Yeah. 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 And how do you think that affects, like, in terms of your chronic health issues and all of that, like, are you worried about the future of the pe- people in the chronic illness community in America and how they're going to be advocated and for and all of yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm really worried about that. Like, especially if Trump gets elected again. Um, I haven't specifically looked into like Biden's policies on like disabled people and stuff like that. But like, I've <laughs> like heard stuff about like what Trump has said, just like, I don't know, like he makes fun of people with it. And he like has a bunch of like policies that like make it way harder for people to get jobs and like accommodations and school and stuff like that. So I think I'm worried that like, um, like the chronic illness community is going to lose even more <laughs> like rights that we already don't have, if that makes sense. Like I feel yeah, like the, more of the a gap voice. is going to widen. Yeah. Yeah. And the gap is going to widen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a really, it's a really strange time. Even for me, just I'm very removed from it because I, I grew up in America and then have been living overseas for many years. But whatever happens in the election does to some extent have an effect on the rest of the world people are watching it's it's an anxious time I mean I've been anxious and like but also almost excited as well it's it's like this anxiety but also excitement um and I think you know I think it's just an interesting time and regardless of what happens America is quite divided and I really my hope is that from this, we can start to rebuild. Americans can start to rebuild and rebuild relationships. And maybe people will be more engaged with American politics now. Like record numbers of voters have shown up at the polls, et cetera. So 93 million people voted early, which is like insane. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah I don't know. Well, and the bottom line is like, 
it, the whoever is elected as president of the United States is super important, but change really happens on a state and grassroots level, right? So if we can be more engaged in politics, whether it be one way or the other, if we can be more engaged in politics, sort of like on that yearly, everyday, like community grassroots level, I think that could be a, have a really positive impact on the country, you know? Yeah, I think so too. I'm hoping things get better from here. But. Yeah, that's all we have, right? Hope. <laughs> um, so other than that, how has your week been? It's been good. Um, I haven't done very much. I have just been like doing schoolwork and taking a lot of naps and watching TV. So <laughs> what about you? It's been... Look, it's been a week where I have been eating a lot of not good things. Yes, same. <laughs> Some Sometimes I let myself have times like that. I think that this is probably the last day where that's going to happen because I'm starting to feel it like my skin is breaking out a little bit. Like I can't be eating junk food all the time. Mine does that uh, too. I eat like a lot of chocolate or something specifically. Yep, exactly. My body's like, no. Oh. So, and then I'm, I have a couple of university assessments due and it's a, it's a crazy time, but look, I'm done in a week and a half and the election's over soon and things will hopefully calm down. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that's, I guess, been my week. Um, so switching topics to my, one of my favorite segments, what is your pet peeve? Um, I would say my biggest one is when someone starts saying something and then they're like, never mind, I can't tell you that. And I'm like, you can't oh. say, that. like, you can't, like, if you think of something midway through and realize you don't want to say it, like, shift it to something else or, like, just pretend you were going to say something different. Like, don't, don't say, I can't tell you because now I want to know. Like, <laughs> I yeah. hate that. I hate it. How do you respond to them? I, I kind of annoy them until they tell me. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> yeah, because there's usually obviously like, no, a so... part of them that wants to tell you, right? Otherwise, they yeah, wouldn't start exactly. to say it. Yes, yeah, no, and it kind of depends how comfortable I am with the person. If it's someone I don't know very well, I'm just kind of like whatever. But if it's like one of my really good friends, I'm like, you're gonna tell me, like, you can't do <laughs> you're that. You're not keeping <laughs> so. this from me. Yeah, yeah, no, I love that. Mm -hmm. Um. So speaking of like friends and all of that, how is like, cause you obviously have ADS and POTS and that has like a pretty big effect on your everyday life. Like what, what's that look like for you to have friendships in this, in this season? And kind of, I know like, um, this is totally not like what we're going to talk about and we'll get to that, but like, just out of curiosity, like with my friendships like in general or with like the chronic illness community and my friends? friendships in general um I feel like it's kind of taken like a toll on some of my friendships because I've been so focused on it lately because like I didn't have answers for so many years about what was going on and like that was hard but then like the last few months I've been able to figure out what it was so I've been kind of like hyper focused on like okay I have a like game plan on like let's do this so 
I find that I don't really know what to talk about with my friends as much mm. because they're like, how are you? And I'm like, well, I'm kind of stressed. <laughs> and it's always about the same thing. And I just feel like there's only so many times I can talk about it, but nothing else is really going on. If that makes sense. Um, but yeah. like, I've also had people be like super supportive too. It's just been kind of a different shift that I don't know how to completely navigate. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's fresh. I mean, I totally when I had chronic fatigue, it'd be like people would be like, "How you like? How you going? Like, what's been happening?" And I'm in my head, I'm like, "I have chronic fatigue syndrome and can barely get out of bed." So that's how that's going. Yeah, it's like it's the same every time you ask me. Like, it's- you don't, you but you don't want to like say that because they don't know what, like they get. <laughs> yeah, when I, I had- feel like, oh wait, no, you go. <laughs> no, go ahead. I almost feel like after I tell people like more in depth about like how I actually am doing like I almost have to like comfort them afterwards I don't know if you ever had that be like oh yeah I can't get out of bed I'm in pain and then they're like really upset and I'm like oh but it's fine like I don't know like I feel like I have to make it yep definitely you're there's so many times where I have to do that it's like Mm -hmm. yeah you have to comfort them I when I had chronic fatigue syndrome I had this one friend who was had also had some fatigue issues. She was in chronic pain. She got in like three different car accidents and was dealing with that. Childhood trauma, blah, blah, blah. And so she'd come over and we'd sit there and just talk about how much pain we were in and how much life sucked and like... Uh-huh. And our conversations always ended with like, this sucks, but we're gonna... It's, we're gonna get through it. But there was this this wallowing... <laughs> A little bit. It's so important. And that's why I think with Instagram and this chronic illness community that's kind of coming up and what you're doing and what you're building, like it's so important to have those people that you can talk to. And and it's like, this is how I'm feeling. But then the community builds you up. It's like, feel your feelings, but let's keep going and keep fighting and keep staying positive. Yeah, that's what I love about it. Because I feel like because I have been hyper-focused on it. I've also found people that are like, I don't want to say doing the same thing, but like I found a way to like still do something with it. Like connecting with other people in that way, like in the chronic illness community. So it's like been really cool at the same time. Um, So, yeah. And have you found like some friends and stuff that you like catch up with and all of that? Oh yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of people that like I catch up with, like a few in particular that like, we check up on each other frequently that I wouldn't have like met otherwise so it's been pretty cool yeah I love that yeah I've I have a few as well like I'm still feeling like I'm quite new to the community so I haven't as much but um there's some people that you I mean I meet a lot of people some people I talk to I'm just I connect immediately with them and it's like within five minutes you're sharing your deepest darkest secrets and traumas because I get it yeah (laughs) this is my life story and they're like me too it's just like it's so different when you don't have to explain it I don't know yeah there's like a base level understanding and then from there whereas yeah with friends it's a little bit yeah it's it can be challenging and I mean I definitely had really good friends around me but they didn't understand and I never would have wanted them to understand because you don't wish that on someone but it's also a bit like I can tell you but you're not going to understand how hard it is yeah and I need someone to understand yes (laughs) um so you've had you said you recently just got diagnosed with like 
EDS and POTS. And yeah. obviously it was kind of a long journey for you from, it was a long journey for you from not having a diagnosis to having a diagnosis to having suspicions. Um, so what was like that season like advocating for yourself with doctors? Um, it was exhausting and I don't want to say traumatic, <laughs> but like kind of like it just I feel like I haven't ever really like advocated for myself until like the last few months as soon as I found out what EDS was I was like I have that like I know I have that um, yeah. and then like same with POTS so I feel like it was kind of different then because just like growing up I never had any clue what was going on and so I didn't know how to push back and be like no I know something's wrong because all the tests were coming back normal but as soon as like I had an idea of like I think this is what it is like I <laughs> just like you pushed kept making appointments like my primary care physician was just like not helpful and was like fighting me on every referral I wanted and it took me like two months to get all the referrals I wanted but I kept going like I kept going and going and like eventually annoyed her into <laughs> sending all of them so I guess I just like so how did you find out or figure out that you had EDS um I kind of it get, kind of gets foggy on this it kind of just happened like I um it came together in like one day I um I posted something on Instagram about like how I was having GI issues and someone messaged me and they were like, Hey, you might have EDS. Like it kind of sounds like some of the other things you've mentioned and it can cause GI issues. And I looked it up and I was like, I don't think that really fits. And she was like, no, like look at the hypermobile type. And I was like, okay. So I looked that up and I was like, Oh, like that could be it. And then, um, yeah. I like looked a video I searched it on YouTube, like a video on it. And I found this one channel and I started watching it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can do all of those things. Cause she was like going over the diagnostic criteria. And so then I called my mom <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, I think I know what it is. Like it's this thing. Yeah. And she had been talking to um, someone in her family that like had just heard about what EDS was. And she said it reminded her of me and said that I need wow. she needed to talk to me about it and so I called her about this and she was like oh like that's what they said too that like they think you might have that so yeah that's and you were yeah and from that point on you were like on a vendetta to get a diagnosis and it was <laughs> yes <laughs> I love yeah. that and I think that's important just in that is the importance of spreading awareness about it around it right and so what is EDS what is what are these different illnesses? How do they affect people? And um, how do we get a? Because once you get a diagnosis, that's where, I mean, the healing can start to come, or at least living better and fuller within the confines or within sort of the limitations of the chronic illness that you have. So it's interesting because even with um, chronic fatigue syndrome, like I told. I would tell people about it and they didn't, they had no idea. So then I'd explain to them what it was, but now, and this was five, four or five years ago. But now when I explain to people, especially in Australia, um, most people know what chronic fatigue syndrome is because it affects a lot of like a large part of the population actually. And, but it's cause there's that awareness. And then, you know, like 
I've, then I've had people come to me and say, oh, I think I might have chronic fatigue syndrome or, mm-hmm. or I've started to notice the early signs of chronic fatigue in some people and I, I'm stopped them and I'm just like, look, you need to be really careful right now <laughs> about resting and looking after yourself because I don't want to like tell you you're going to get it, but I just want to let you know that <laughs> this could happen. <laughs> be like, take it easier. Then. So when you kind of got to the point where you thought that you were pretty convinced that you had EDS and POTS, and again, this is interesting because a lot of people, I think, go on the internet, find resources, and self-diagnose, actually. And I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing because it gives us something to go off of, right? Um, so, but there's also that medical component of like, you do actually need to have a proper diagnosis. You could be wrong. You're not a doctor. You haven't done the test. When you finally decided, what was that like advocating yourself for yourself with the doctors, with the specialists? And like, even just with your primary care physician, like she, she or he pushed back. Right. How did you navigate that? I think something that helped me was like, as soon as I found out what EDS and POTS were, um, I did like a lot of research. So I guess like the whole self-diagnosing thing, but like, I didn't just do like the self-diagnosing part. Like I did a ton of research on like what tests they do to diagnose it. Um, like what doctors can help, what the treatments are. Um, and I, I even watched like a bunch of videos on like (laughs) how to like get your doctor to believe you stuff. So like, I had like an agenda. I guess like I had a very clear picture of like, these are the steps to get the diagnosis and these are the tests I want to do to prove that I have it, if that makes sense. Like I, yeah. um, so like when my primary care was like not wanting to refer me, like I was like, no, like I need a tilt table test for POTS cause like that's how you diagnose it. Or like, I need to go to a cardiologist um, and like a geneticist like for EDS. So I don't know, like, I feel like I, just kind of had an agenda and I stuck to it. Like I had a list of things that I knew would help me get that diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really important. I think even just for the community setting up a game plan. Yeah. You know, and especially and what's sad is that doctors are, are, that's their job, right? That's what they're meant to be doing. But at the end of the day, nobody cares more about your health than you. Yeah. And knows so, your body better. And knows your body. Like, even just for me with chronic fatigue, I got diagnosed by a doctor. It was a naturopath. She was a naturopath. So she was a bit more on the alternative side. And that was really good. But once I got the diagnosis, she was pretty convinced I was going to recover. But it was up to me to kind of figure out the next steps like we did allergy testing and all of that and it was a lot of gut related stuff but yeah I had to put together a game plan and then I had to see another doctor and then I had to see another doctor yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) so I guess the takeaway from that as well is like do your research put together a plan and even I would suggest, I don't, did you go to your appointments alone or did you have people with you? That's actually something I wanted to bring up is cause like I had my agenda of things that I wanted to do and tests and like 
referrals I wanted. And my primary care was just not listening. And so eventually I had my mom come with me and like the last appointment I had with her, I had a list of the referrals I'd been asking for for two months and she signed all of them. So, um, I, and like beforehand, I like sat down with my mom and I was like, okay, (laughs) like if she says I don't need this thing, like how can you respond to that? So I think that might be a good idea for other people is like bring someone with you and ahead of time, think about possible ways they could dismiss you and like how you want your person with you to push back on that so that you can get the referrals you need or whatever. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, totally. That's super important. I remember taking my mom as well to my first appointments because, and it wasn't as much because I needed an advocate more. Like I just needed, I just was unwell. I needed someone there with me to, I don't know, to like just be there. And I had come back from living overseas for three years and going to doctor's appointments alone and being dismissed time after time after time. And I was just like, I don't want to do this alone anymore. And so there's definitely like that invitation to say, oh, like you don't, you don't have to do this alone, set up a plan or even ask someone else. If you don't have capacity, ask someone to sit down with you, make a plan of what you need, like, what are the outcomes that you want out of, out of these appointments? But here's my question. Do you ever think about seeing a different primary care physician? Yes. So that's actually part of it is, um, one of my friends was like, you realize that the doctors are working for you and you can fire them at any time, right? Like you realize that. And I was like, yes, but the problem was that I had like just switched I just switched primary care doctors because now that I'm over 18, I couldn't go to my normal one. Um, And because of COVID, the waiting list was like three months. Like it took me forever to get into her. And so I was like, I really want those referrals now. Like I didn't want to have to like switch to a different primary care and not get in for months and then have the referrals take months. So I was like, I'm just going to get the referrals I need from her and then I'm going to switch. So now I have everything I need. So now I'm looking for another one. (laughs) So that's, that's actually a good point. I mean, I think it's just one of those things you have to work the system as much as, as much as it's sad. And even like, even in America, I know some people think that it's so accessible. Um, even, even though it's like, really expensive you can still see someone but it's it's very complicated all most health system even in australia people i've talked to like it's it's hard and you have to advocate for yourself and that's sad like we shouldn't have to but we do and that's that's what that's what it comes down to and i guess one of the things that i've learned and i can't stress enough just for the chronic illness community is like you're not crazy, you know, don't let people tell you that you're crazy or that you, you aren't experienced, but you are, you aren't experienced or that you're depressed or like, and you might be, I was, but that's not because of my reason. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They might not be wrong, but like, yeah, I'm not experienced back, back, experiencing back pain or gut issues because I'm depressed. It's because I have like, 
legitimately something wrong with me, you know, or a legitimate condition. Yeah. Obviously, you did a lot of research and you thought you had EDS. Um, so did you kind of get all the referrals for both EDS and POTS sort of at the same time? No, actually. Um, from the first appointment I went to, she sent the geneticist referral. Um, but only because I said that my mom was being like referred to a geneticist. Um, so I got the uh, geneticist referral from the first time. I didn't get the um, POTS referral until my very last appointment where my mom came with me. So okay. yeah, so it was like a couple months apart. Okay. And so I guess um, what, what, did, what did you do when you kind of realized that you had EDS and POTS, um, what was kind of, what, what kind of the steps you took? And I guess someone who's kind of in this phase of either condition, thinking they have either EDS or POTS, what, like, what would be sort of your suggestion or something that you kind of went through for them to do or what you did? Um... I feel like I've already said this before, but I think just like doing a ton, a ton of research so you understand exactly what it is like um, and like the things that help like with EDS, there's not as many things that you can really do for it. Like it's just managing symptoms. And so you kind of just have to go to like a bunch of individual doctors. So I would say for EDS, like you just kind of have to figure out like what your individual issues are. So like back pain, chiropractor, foot pain, uh, podiatrist, like stuff like that. Like you have to just kind of go for individual things for like your symptoms, but for POTS, um, like there's things you can do before you start seeing a doctor, which I started doing, like you're supposed to drink a ton of water and get like a lot of salt and like compression stockings and stuff like that. So I think I would just like do a ton of research, um, like a ton, a ton of research. So you like know it inside and out and, um, so you can kind of start implementing things um, before you get to the doctor because you don't know how long that's going to take. Um, I would say that's kind of my advice for I don't know if that answered the question. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. That's really good. And um, so in terms of POTS, like, can you, I guess, give me an overview of how that affects your life and um, so, and and I guess for both POTS and EDS, how that affects your life and kind of what led you to believe, like key symptoms that led you to believe that you had these conditions? Um, well, I've been like in chronic pain since I was like seven years old. Um, like I came home from second grade, like crying because like my back was just hurting really, really bad. Mm -hmm. And so I like went to the chiropractor and I've been going ever since. And like, they didn't really know what was wrong. Like he said, the muscles in my back were just like spasming, like going crazy. I'm still kind of confused why <laughs> I don't really know. Um, but yeah, so I just, I started having like terrible back pain, like at seven years old, and yeah. it made school super hard. Like I would come home crying like almost every day for um, a few years. Like it was just terrible. Um, and then when I was in sixth grade, so I was like 12, um, I 
it just got to the point like I couldn't do it anymore so I had to drop out and do like homeschool for like seventh and eighth grade because my back pain was terrible and I was doing sports through that point um but then my knee pain started and I had to quit sports because I couldn't run anymore and then I got to high school and everything just kind of fell apart like I was like injuring myself constantly um from doing like nothing (laughs) I would miss like a month every year in high school because I had some major problem with my body just like not working or like in a ton of pain where I couldn't walk um so like it's really affected like my mobility like to get around to places like I've been like in and out of a wheelchair for the last like five years and I've had like four surgeries on my feet like um so I was like in a wheelchair for that at some points too. Um, so I feel like with EDS, it's just been like a lot of chronic pain um, that has like impacted and how, my ability to school and work. Yeah. And like, obviously that's not normal. And the people around you at the time would have kind of realized that that wasn't normal. Did you spend a lot of time in your younger years in and out of doctor's offices as well and oh yeah yeah I was going to like multiple a week um especially in high school because like my foot pain was like terrible and like my back pain and knee pain and stuff so I went to like I'm trying to remember how many years of physical therapy I've been to now I think six years of physical therapy I was going to a ton of doctor's appointments um like especially in high school like and no one could give me any reasons why um so I missed a ton of school I'm really surprised I graduated honestly <laughs> um and then I haven't really been able to work um because I'm just like in a lot of pain so I would say that's kind of how EDS affects me especially the injuries like I constantly injure myself from doing like normal things so then I'm out for like two weeks at a time so yeah, that doesn't really work for working <laughs> yeah wow I'm sorry that you're you deal with that I unfortunately do can relate <laughs> and I, I have I don't have I don't think I have EDS I haven't ever been sort of diagnosed but um I definitely have hypermobility which is not uncommon but it, it does bring its own set of challenges in the sense of you know you have to make sure you're stabilizing your joints and I get injured quite easily, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so Ehlers-Danlos syndrome is like a group, it's basically when you have a group of t- connective tissue disorders, am I correct? Yeah. And there's different types of it as well. Like one of them is hypermobility. There's others as well. And so what are the, the other ones? Um. So... I believe there's like 13 known types right now. Um, the most common one is hypermobility. I think like 90% of people okay. have that one. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but the majority of people have hypermobility. Um, and the other like main one is called classical EDS. So the hypermobile type um, is like the least severe type. And the classical type is more like your skin is like ooh, super, super stretchy. Like, okay there's like pictures of people where they're like pulling their skin up like over their face it's crazy um and then I can't remember the names of like the three other ones that they don't really talk about the other ones as much because they're way more rare um I I know I can't remember the names of them (laughs) yeah 
So I was uh, just doing some research around it. It looks like there's like classic or hy classical hypermobile vascular um, and a few others that I can't pronounce. Um, but what's interesting is that fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue are common misdiagnosis of Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Yeah. Which is because it's like, and often people say this as well, is that CFS and fibro are like an umbrella sort of diagnosis for actually more conditions, which is not always the case. And I don't think it was really the case for me, but um, I think that's interesting because if you also look at the statistics, 95% of people living with EDS don't get diagnosed. And it's only 5% that are actually diagnosed. And that is equivalent to 650,000 Americans. That's crazy. So th it's crazy. Like that's, that's more than half a million Americans affected by EDS. If you put it in the context of that and you know, and, and that's also equivalent to one in 10,000 or 15,000 people. So it's like, that's, that's significant. And that's for people like yourself to be living in chronic pain for years, not having any idea, why. not having any idea, not having a diagnosis. That's disappointing. And I think it's kind of just a testament to like what we're doing with both of our platforms is raising awareness about these illnesses and it's it's just this sort of thing. It's actually just not okay. <laughs> uh, I know that. Um, I know that in the UK they train all of their rheumatologists on EDS. Like most of the information and like statistics I've seen about EDS is like from the UK. Like they've done like a decent amount of research, but for some reason in the US, like no rheumatologists know anything about it. Like I saw some statistic that said like only 20% of rheumatologists have even like heard of it and only 5% even really know like any actual like details about it. So no one here is informed about it like at all. And I think that's why like awareness is so important is because I don't think I ever would have found out what it was like if it weren't for Instagram, honestly. Um, yeah, that's massive. And even just there's so many people that I've even spoken with in America that kind of like, I'll tell them about what I'm doing or whatever. And they're like, Oh, I know this person, or I know that person that has this or, and it's kind of this undiagnosed sort of weird thing where they're like, just struggle and they struggle in silence and they don't go see the doctor cause it's expensive. And, um, I wonder, I guess I'm kind of now realizing that within American culture, it's, it's actually kind of like, really not good to be unwell <laughs> yep it's really and, not um it's it's kind of like survival of the fittest a little bit especially with the system and so I think that's really that's that makes it really challenging because like you know I've talked to a lot of people in the UK and there's a massive chronic illness community in the UK and pretty big as well in the US but um it seems to be there seems to be more awareness both in the UK and in Australia about chronic illness and the state of chronic illness in general. I've done a lot of research specifically in Australia and, and the Australian government recognizes that chronic illness is on the rise, that it represents a massive issue, not only for people, but also for the economy, because if we have people living with chronic conditions, they're putting a strain on the healthcare system, et cetera, et cetera, which 
that's sort of from like from an economic perspective. So they're focusing on prevention as well. So there's it's like a multifaceted. We need to prevent this. We need to also offer treatment. We need to also partner with non for profits to help people living with these conditions. So it's interesting. And then so that's EDS and then POTS. So how does POTS kind of affect what is it and how does it affect your life? Um, so POTS is postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. So essentially it means that like postural is like changing your posture. Um, tachycardia is like your heart rate is too fast. So it means that like when changing positions, your heart rate increases too much. Um, like for a normal person, like their resting heart rate versus standing heart rate, their heart rate is only supposed to increase by like 10 to 15 beats per minute. And for people with POTS, it increases like 30 or 40 beats per minute just upon standing up or like even more. So like a lot of people like black out or pass out, like even just from standing because yeah, your autonomic nervous system just doesn't function correctly. And autonomic nervous system is like everything that your body does without you thinking about it. So like digestion, breathing, um, like heart rate, blood pressure, stuff like that. Yeah. So it basically just means like your autonomic nervous system is not functioning the way it should be. Um, and so for me, I, I feel like I want to say POTS is the thing that's affecting my daily life the most right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, pain isn't fun, but um, I, I don't know, like I can't exercise. Like <laughs> um, I have like exercise intolerance right now. Like any exercise I try and do, I have to do it like laying down. Um, but my heart rate still just gets like super fast. Like, I mean, yeah, super high, really fast. Um, like, like even when I'm just laying down, like after like five minutes, my heart rate is like 170 yeah. or so. Like it's, um, really hard. And like right now I can only walk like five minutes. The other day I walked for like 10 minutes, but that's like the longest I've been able to walk for like six months. Um, and then I'm out for hours after. So, um, yeah, it's really affected like my mobility and to do like basic daily things. Um, yeah, it's not fun. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I think what's kind of frustrating, especially about POTS is like, they don't know what the cause. Yeah. There's, there's, they're like, Oh, we think it's an autoimmune disorder. We think, you know, we think these different things, but they don't know, like they don't know the reason. And again, POTS is one of those things where it affects even more than EDS. So it's like between 1 million to 3 million Americans. Yeah, it's more Which, common than MS. Like, it's really not like that rare. Like, I think people think it's rare, but it's just because doctors don't know about it. Like, it's actually fairly common. Like, yeah, and it mostly affects women. 80 to 85% of uh, people with POTS are women between the ages of like 16 to 35 yeah which is you know there's got to be something in that as well like and again it's one of those things where it's like we need to really be putting um, efforts into research education awareness around these conditions and because as soon as you I mean they may not know the cause but there are treatments there are 
options there are for there is for POTS where EDS it's not really like there there's no treatment for EDS is just managing symptoms but like there is treatment for POTS uh there's no cure but there's treatments so yeah exactly um yeah so we've actually I feel like we've covered a lot of like just talking about POTS EDS I'm hoping that this is sort of serves as like an educational sort of podcast for people that think that they might have it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, switching gears a little bit, I guess, what are you like? My, I guess my main question is like, what's the next step for you? You just got diagnosis. How are you feeling like hopeful? Like you, I mean, you're obviously quite young, 20, you have your whole life ahead of you. Do you feel like, what do you want to achieve? And do you feel like that that's, that's possible? Um, the last couple of months have been rough. I feel like I haven't really felt hopeful until maybe this last like week or so. Um, cause I don't know. It just was really hard to process like 14 years worth of not knowing why. And then suddenly it's like, I know what it is. I don't know. So I feel like I'm finally feel like I've kind of processed everything and like, I know what it is. I kind of know like what my game plan is. Um, I'm, I'm living at home right now. So, um, my plan is to like, just keep going to doctor's appointments, um, and try and like improve my quality of life so I can move out at some point. I'm hoping I can move out maybe like six months or so, but it could be a year. I don't really know. Um, so that's kind of what like short term my goal is. <laughs> and then like, just keep doing school cause I'm doing my online school. Um, and I finished that in like three years. So that's like kind of more long-term, but right now I'm just trying to get like my health better so I can move out and like get a job because <laughs> yeah. I can't right now. So. And that's a really good, even just short-term goal to have. That was one of my goals is like, okay, I just need to get a job and I couldn't move out for a while, but it was more like I'm saving money so that I can move to see. Yes, exactly. And I did. And it was the best choice, you know? Um, but it just, it's that, it's that period of like, you just got to look after, take your time, look after yourself, love yourself, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so what are some things like that are like getting you through the season? What can you recommend for the community? Find things that you like doing and just cling to them. Like when I like had to quit all sports, like I loved running and soccer and like all of that. And so like after that happened and I could not do those things anymore, I had to kind of sit there and be like, okay, well, what am I going to do now? And so then I started like learning a bunch of instruments and like singing and, um, and like, now that's my major. So I think like, if it's taken something away from you, like it's okay to try and branch out and find different things. And like, it doesn't mean that you failed if you can't do that thing anymore. And like, let yourself grieve that if you can't do it, but like, just realize there's a bunch of other things that you can do and it's going to open more doors for you if you work hard. Um, yeah, I love that. Mic drop word. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this has been such a great conversation. I'm so glad that you've come on the podcast and thanks so much for giving your time and sharing about your journey about the struggles like I'm it sounds like you're kind of early on in the like I just figured it out 
this is what it is. But there's so much ahead. There's so much, um, you know, so much you can do. I mean, I just am so all about, like, as much as living with a chronic illness is hard and, like, we're limited and all of that, like, there's still things we can do, you know, and... There's hope. There's hope. There's always hope. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, thanks again. And I look forward to sharing your story and your your just wisdom with the community. Well, thank you. This was super fun. Really cool. Thanks for listening to the Sound of Hope podcast. If you want access to show notes, go to chronichope.org where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. And make sure to follow us on our Instagram, at chronic underscore hope. See you next week.